Welcome back to the Georgia 2024 show. I'm on the road. We'll be back in the studio next week. Uh, wow, a lot of news happening with Tucker Carlson, and, and the, the news landscape is changing rapidly. We're brought to you by the Georgia Record, georgiarecord.com, of course. But uh, what you need to know is that you need to support independent free media. With Tucker gone, CDM is becoming very important. We've had lots of calls, lots of people interested in supporting the network. So please join us. Add us to your daily scan. Sign up for our newsletters and support our no-ad subscription. I know people don't like ads, but we have to make money. So if you don't like ads, sign up for our no-ad subscription. It's 10 bucks a month. You support free media, and we really need this. We really need some support. We had a big surge last last week uh, of people signing up, but this is uh, another week, and we need more support to fight the matrix. So uh, with that, we're going to bring on Dr. Candace Taylor, if she's ready. Hi, Candace. Hi, Todd. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Look, you ran a uh, very passionate campaign for governor, but this one, uh, you were very successful. So tell us about the race, why you decided to join, and, 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 and what your feelings are being in charge. Well, when they can't cheat, I win. So I think that's the bottom line. You know, we had a very transparent election. People stood up or sat down. And so it was not hard. It was uh, easy to reconcile the people to their vote. So I think that's the problem in our country. We have fake voting. We don't have any accountability. And until we get accountability, we're not going to see true patriots win. And it's not that they didn't win because the people didn't want them to. It's because the people who Count the votes. I think Stallings said that years ago, that mm -hmm. evil man. He said, whoever counts the votes is the one in power. So what happened with this race is I was asked by people all over the state and a bunch, by hundreds in my first district to run for it. They were wanting mm -hmm. to see change. It was nothing against the guy that was in the seat. It's just because I'm in the first district and they want me to provide leadership. They wanted me mm -hmm. to, to be their governor. And I couldn't, obviously, because we don't have fair legal voting in Georgia. And this seat is going to afford me the opportunity to work with the grassroots more. And I am a grassroots ninja. I am. Mm -hmm. and, and the people love that. I work really hard. I outwork everybody. And then people want to work hard because I'm working hard. You know, if, you have, if you're a leader, there's nothing you wouldn't do. I wash toilets like everybody else. So we have to dig in, get involved, and grow our party. And we've got to do it strategically. We have to have strategic goals in place of how, what we, where we want to go, what we want to see. And for me in the first district, it is overall overarching goal is for the politicians to know if they don't come to district one they can't win that if they don't come to district one then their campaign will fail because i want them to know they have to come here we are part of georgia too it's not just atlanta it is south georgia as well and we pay our taxes and we work extremely hard and we have a lot of industry here and we have a lot of votes here and they need to come here and they need to hear from us so but I want to get into the election system in Georgia in a minute with you, but tell us about your background. People may know you, they may not. What, what, who, are, who is Candace Taylor? What's your background and why did you decide to run? So I was born in Baxley. I've lived here all of my life aside from when I was in college. And I have four degrees. I have a terminal degree. I have education is my background. I was a teacher for mm -hmm. two years and a school counselor for over a decade. And then I'm, I'm an administrator now at the Board of Education. I do student services. I'm a homeless liaison. I do a lot with DJJ and DFACS and attendance and all the things the needy kids need. I, I'm, I'm the one that they go to. And outside of that, I have three children of my own. I had two miscarriages. My third child. I have um, a wonderful husband. He is amazing he teaches art at the high school but he plays every instrument he's led worship he's just an amazing man of god and yeah we just we love the lord we love jesus and we want to be free we want to protect our families and we want to we want you to be able to protect your family so we believe in guns and our gun rights and we have to protect those and then we, we believe in life from conception and we want abortion eradicated from the state of georgia when roe was overturned we were elated but we haven't seen any movement on that. And it's very it's discouraging that the General Assembly this time did not get rid of Georgia and criminalize it in Georgia. And I hope that that happens. And, and I believe that it will. So who would you um, well, what was your support like going into the uh, to the election? I mean, where is it coming from? Is it mostly grassroots or are you getting people crossing over? People crossing over, mm -hmm. people that have been in the Republican Party for decades, they want a breath of fresh air, they mm -hmm. want something new, it's status quo and what's been happening is not working. And so I think, you know, 
with the Republican Party, they've had ebbs and flows like any organization. But in Georgia, they had gotten to a complacency of, you know, the politicians are who we represent, who we support, and we want to get, we want to elect Republicans. And it's the same thing that we're fighting the Democrats, we're not fighting the Republicans. We want to elect Republicans. And we hear this talk, but when you have people who call themselves a Republican, but they're sold out to China and they're supporting fake elections and they're telling you to sit down and shut up and your opinion doesn't matter, that the voting's fine. When they're saying those things, they're not a public servant and they're not representing the people. And so we're in a place in the Republican Party of, you know what? This is our government. Mm -hmm. We're bottom up. And the party in itself is there to protect the people and to hold the politicians accountable, not to bow down and worship them like they are the ones that are king. And so we're seeing a shift in that. We're seeing a shift with people that have been involved for decades. We're seeing it with new people coming on board that they want to be free and they want to get involved and want to do something and make a difference. Mm -hmm. they, they see their grocery bill that's tripled in, in amount. And, and they know that the economy is in a really dangerous place. They're seeing society with all the drag shows being forced on young children, the transgenderism being shed on our kids. They're seeing all of this in, in society and the immorality. And they're done with political correctness and they're ready to, to, to move forward. And we're, we're seeing people from the Democrat Party that's been a Democrat forever. They believe just like we do. And they're trying to get take their party back, too. I, I spent... Um, three mm -hmm. hours yesterday with a Democrat who ran for U.S. Senate, and, and she and I had a long conversation, and we mm -hmm. agreed probably 70% of the time on issues. So we're not that divided. It's this radical left 1% that's insane that should be institutionalized, and it's a radical right. They call me far right, and I am far right on the Constitution if that's what they consider far right. But I am a humanitarian. But what I consider far right are the elitists that are in complete control and domination, and they think that they are the government and we are peons and we're nothing and our opinion doesn't matter. So we've got radical groups on both sides that need to be annihilated and the people need to speak. So let's, let's talk about the elections. I mean, obviously, you know, across the nation, you're seeing the same pattern in different states where the legislatures are compromised, where the courts are compromised. How are you going to push election integrity up into the state level and actually get some change in our representation in in, under the gold dome well we're going to apply pressure there you know with mm. our elected officials absolutely but we're also going to take it to a county level and mm. we're going to get involved locally we're a bottom-up government and we've tried to th fix things from the top when the foundation's broken so we're going to work grassroots in every county in georgia and we are going to mobilize and we're going to take these elections back to the people and we're going to have accountability we're going to have reconciliation with the ballots and the votes and we're going to prove our elections fair and legal if we don't we lose in 2024 we lose not the republican party the people we the people we lose and we lose our nation mm -hmm. and we cannot win the white house without georgia the only yes. pathway to victory is georgia so it's on us georgia is so important it's vitally important you know every state's important and what you're doing in your state is so important but if we don't have georgia we lose so what do you um, what do you make of this incorporation effort? We're hearing a lot of things where alternative organizations are being set up in the GOP, calling them different names, and maybe it's for fundraising, maybe it's for other uh, aims. Do you know anything about that? Have you heard anything about that? What do you think about it? Yeah, I've been swamped with mm -hmm. uh, phone calls. Mm -hmm. swamped not by the actual swamp but by people that are concerned <laughs> they've been calling and asking very concerned they're getting confused about the republican party and then the gra which is the georgia republican assembly they're getting confused with those two organizations versus this organization that brian kemp is spearheading or he is endorsed or he is the people who support him are doing whoever's doing it this is affiliated with brian kemp and his his speech about getting you know, away from the GOP. And that organization is splintering off from people who had their seats taken by patriots like me all over the, all over the state. And instead mm -hmm. of being humble and saying, you know what, I've served, it's time for some of the people have served. They won, the people want that. Let me still be involved. Let me still help. Let's be united together. They want to splinter off and have division, which is totally always the plan of the enemy. Satan, Lucifer comes to divide and conquer. And I feel like that's what's going on within our party. But if that's what they want to do, they can do it. They will fail miserably. They can raise money from these big corporate donors all they want to. Mm -hmm. The people of Georgia, we the people, the people who work, people who pay taxes, people who are retired, and they were hard workers, 
they don't want politicians running things. We yeah. want to run things. That is how a constitutional republic works. And what they're trying to do goes against that. The GRA is a grassroots organization that provides support to the Republican Party. And I'm a member of that organization as well. It's an awesome organization. I think that it's totally wonderful to have other organizations that support the GOP. But the GOP is the big organization of the Republican Party in Georgia. And for somebody to want to come and, and get rid of that and divide mm -hmm. it and take it down, that's not of God, first of all, mm -hmm. and it's not the right thing to do. And so because you get mad, you pitch a temper tantrum fit, you think you're going to come and, and disarm something that is has been in place for forever. We're not yeah. doing that. That's not going to happen. So they can go and raise money and have corporate donors throw money all they want to. They're not going to be successful. Are you having people standing up and because it takes courage and saying, I want to run? you know that i you know how do i become a candidate how can i get in the get involved oh yeah we had over 50 that i know of volunteers from our campaign that i did not you know tell them to do this i did not mobilize this effort but they took over seats all over the state and their district parties and, and we mm -hmm. realized that last week and i was just in awe of what they're doing and they're taking over the county parties and they're getting involved because the people have realized as we've all campaigned and we worked so hard on this governor's race that we have a huge task at hand that we have to we have to complete and it's going to take all of us all over 159 counties and so we we've seen people you know running for seats that never even been involved in politics mm -hmm. before and we're hearing people that want to run for other state seats for state house and state senate and county commissioner seats and, and school board seats. And yes, we're seeing that all over the place and asking me, how do you do it? How you get started? And I came in the U.S. Senate race in 2020, totally green, didn't know anything about politics and running. Uh, and it always followed politics. I knew the constitution mm -hmm. and I knew the, po you know, but I didn't know anything about campaigning. Yeah. And so I've learned a ton. I still have a ton more to learn, but anything that I've learned, I, you know, help everybody I can with. And, and we just gotta, we gotta get together and, and just push back and not, it's not all about how much money you raise. It's about what a good steward you are of the money and how much time and effort you're willing to put in. So true. What, what do you think is going to happen at the conference coming up here in the state? I think it's going to be wonderful. We're going to have a state convention. We're going to elect new leaders for our party. I hate to see David Schaefer go. He was a, he's an awesome leader. He's been attacked one time after another. He stood up for the state and took 16 electors for President Trump and, and had them sign their slate so that our votes wouldn't be disenfranchised if, if you know Vice President Mike Pence had done the right thing and, and looked at the votes and, and counted counted the paper because that's what should have happened that didn't happen and that's why we're in the debacle we're in now in 2023 was from that travesty of a mistake and, and since that time david schaefer's undergone so many attacks and, and potential litigation just everything he's had to go through and so i hate it that he's leaving but i can understand as, you know it's an unpaid position these are all volunteer positions these are not paid positions in the republican party so i look forward to going and, and seeing the new leaders put in place and us doing some re resolutions that'll speak volumes to the media who like to lie and perpetuate their own narrative but that'll give people some hope and, and give us some, something that in our hand that we can go to our local counties and say, listen, this is what the people of Georgia want. This is what we're doing all over the state. And we're going to have fair legal voting, amongst other things, of immorality we're going to push against mm -hmm. as, a, as, a, as a group of people, as a Republican Party. So one of the issues with the GOP state or international or nationally has been the GOP leadership in certain jurisdictions having favoritism against certain candidates or for certain candidates, maybe giving money to certain candidates and not others. Are you going to run a transparent operation down there? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. So we are going to raise money. That's one of our huge things. We don't have mm. any amount of money compared to other places across the state, other districts. And District 1 is severely important. We have Chatham County and District 1. And Chatham and Fulton were in the front lines mm. on 2020. And, and what happened there with the votes that were totally just out of control and no accountability and so mm -hmm. we have to secure district one and we're going to do that we're going to and we're going to have fundraisers all over we, we're going to get the politicians here when i campaigned for governor i couldn't even find an event in district one to attend because mm -hmm. they were all private events or mm -hmm. they weren't having anything and i could have stayed in district 14 and district 10 or in atlanta 
every single day. There were so many things going on up there because they pull the politicians there. And that's why they have such a, an influence in government, state and nationally, because they have people engaged and they hold the politicians accountable. So District 1 is going to be known for holding the politicians accountable. And we are going to work strategically, county by county, to ensure fair legal voting in 2024. So uh, last question, um, do, do you have any favorites for uh, the, I guess, the state chair? Is there anyone that you would like to see in place? Well, I haven't endorsed anybody for the state chair at all. I will say that, you know, two of them running, one of them was very rude to me when I ran for U.S. For, when I ran for governor and didn't allow me to speak at their event and their county and their district and treated me really bad. Like you were talking about how they mm -hmm. do candidates that come up. And I've, I've had that, I've had that happen to me many times as I've campaigned mm -hmm. over the past three years. And so I forgive them and I wish them all the best, but they will not garner my support. And mm -hmm. I just know that they have that mentality if they treated me that way. And I'm a nice mm -hmm. person. I mm -hmm. am, I, I mean, Steve Bannon's called me a firebrand, a fire breather, and I am, mm -hmm. but I'm also, I love Jesus and I love people. And so I'm kind. And for you to treat me and, and alienate me when I'm sacrificing time with my family and I'm sacrificing my personal finances to get involved mm -hmm. and try to hold people accountable, it's like spitting in my face. Mm -hmm. And so I, if you did it to me, you'll do it to everybody else that tries to run that's you know honest and, and just trying to hold them accountable. It's good for people to be primary. It's good. We need people to be primary. It helps it makes, it keeps them honest. Yeah. So I have one that's done that. Then I have another one that made several rude comments and, and people sent me screenshots during my campaign, especially toward the end about me being crazy and about me um, being a joke and, and just mm -hmm. many things. And, and both of those people have called me and told me congratulations on winning the district mm -hmm. chair. And um, it, it's funny. I mean, like I said, I forgive them, but they will not, they will not have my support. And then there is another one, a third candidate who, I think that they they supported someone else for the governor race, but they were very kind to me and let me speak at their event. And you know, so I I do have someone that I that I favor, but I'm, I'm not ready to endorse right now. But you know, people need to. I want people to research for themselves, and that's why sure. I haven't came out and endorsed in that race. I want people to, to figure it out for themselves, and they need to dig a little bit, and they need to they need to pay attention. And and we're, our government is created to be of by for the people, so we make our own decision. And I never want to be that person that everybody says, whatever Candace says, let me do it. Mm -hmm. No, I want, I, I, I'm honest and I will tell you my experience, but I don't want you just to, to go behind me like a little duckling. I want you to figure it out for yourself and you be, you pray about it and let the Lord show you because when we get to the day that one person has full influence and control, we lose our, we lose our freedom. Understand. Candace, thank you so much for coming on. We want to have you back. I think uh, you're going to be a big force down there. So thank you for your time. Thank you, Todd. God bless. Okay. Take care. God bless. So uh, the rest of the show, we have David Cross coming on shortly, but I want to bring on Bill Quinn and talk about an event that's happening at the Spy Museum in Washington, D.C. Uh, in a few days. Bill, thanks for coming on. Hey, Todd. How are you? So tell us what's going on in D.C. Well, it's it, uh, very interesting. You, you'll recall we had uh, Greg Phillips on last week. Uh, we talked about what was going on with them. And then notably, just a couple days later, information surfaces about an event uh, that is being held by David Becker and his organi organization, SEER. Mm -hmm. And um, David Becker, you'll recall, was the founder of ERIC. Mm -hmm. ERIC is uh, an organization that uh, contracts with... Uh, uh, a number of states was 30, and uh, a number of them, I think it's up to seven now, have removed themselves from relationships with Eric's over con uh, concerns with their processes, whether they were even getting the job done. Uh, their stated goal is to try to help clean voter rolls. But if you look at the states that participate, the voter rolls don't seem to be getting clean. They still have people on when you search that uh, in many cases have been passed away for a number of years, a number of others have moved, and yet there they are on the voter rolls still. So uh, uh, after David uh, founded Eric, he founded a company or an organization known as SEER, C-E-I-R. And I actually think we may have a slide on that. that uh, yes, you can the take first slide, at. I believe, yes. Great. And um, so that's uh, known as SEER. It's the Center for Election Innovation and Research, and it's got some 
projects and other names below it. But what's interesting is um, an organization, Verity Vote, that we trust um, highly, has reported that data um, may be being shared between Sear and Eric. Now, keep in mind, Eric gets information from all the states that are members uh, of Eric, and that includes not just their existing voter rolls, but um, information coming from their driver's license bureaus. In some cases, health information. Um, in many cases, information including um, their social security numbers, other things. So, a, a very deep um, uh, sample of information on voters across these states. And to, to think of that being shared with yet again another information, another uh, information organization raises a lot of people's concerns. Um, in another call yesterday, uh, Voter GA, um, having heard the same comment about potentially uh, sharing information between the two organizations, confirmed that uh, they've seen emails that support that same conclusion. So again, think of SEER as you know, they don't even have our agreements with uh, many of these states, yet they may be getting information that is considered private, personal yeah. identifying information. So last week, uh, or this week, it was uh, discovered that SEER is hosting a quote-unquote secret meeting in Washington, D.C. on May 8th and 9th to discuss the 2024 elections. So, you know, for most people, just hearing the word secret with regard to something to do with the forthcoming elections raises the hackles on the back of their neck and say, why would we be doing such a thing uh, in secret? And by yeah. the way, who's gonna attend? Right. Well, now it turns out that the attendee list is largely hidden. Um, the uh, Just in the last couple of days after our first report on uh, the upcoming meeting, there is a speaker list that appears to have been uh, released um, and on, on that, we see names like Brad Raffensperger, our Secretary of State from Georgia, and, uh, you know, to uh, Dr. Uh, Taylor's comment a couple of minutes ago, what is it about Georgia that we keep bubbling to the top of these funny, you know, dynamics when it comes to elections? Another speaker is Gabe Sterling, you know, the gentleman that um, was called out by uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene at another election integrity um, meeting recently, and uh, uh, I think, uh, as I recall, she told him to his face, I consider you part of the problem, sir. Uh, and then Jordan Fuchs, who has been in and out of the Secretary of State's office in the past um, several years, and uh, again, is, is considered one of the in, inside confidants, I guess, of Brad Raffensperger. All of the uh, names which are highly familiar from 2020. That's right. That's right. If you go back and look at, uh, you know, the what was covered back then. These names are all over it. Um, notably, there are also there's a, a separate project organization known as Elidin, um, and on their advisory board there are a number of other players which we'll cover in just a minute. But Elidin, very interesting. It is a an organization that is stated to be able to connect uh, attorneys uh, on a uh, pro bono basis with election integrity directors and others that need legal support. So it almost speaks of, well, we suspect we might need some legal support because as people ask questions, we, we might need that help. Um, That's amazing. If you flip to the next page, let's take a look at a few more members from Georgia that are, again, part of the advisory board of this project group called Elidin. Uh, again, Jordan Fuchs from um, the Secretary of State's office, uh, Julietta, whoops, Julietta Henry. Um, I'm not sure I got the right slide here. Is that there you go, right there. Okay, okay. Julietta Henry from uh, the uh, Deputy Director from DeCab. Mm -hmm. um, and again, DeCab has some uh, dynamics going on that I think we touched on last week that are, that are concerning with regard to the company Connick. Uh, and then Joseph Kirk um, with Coweta County. And uh, so it's, the question is, how did these folks get on this advisory board? What are they doing there? What are they, are they speaking at the conference? What roles do they have? And so forth. And it, uh, it raises, you know, quite a few questions as we go forward. Yeah, um, it does. On, on a call with Voter GA yesterday, a number of the uh, 
a number of the attendees asked, you know, well, who's going to cover this when this is happening in Washington, D.C.? And there's a high degree of interest in really delving into what's being covered, who's saying what, uh, and why is there such um, a canopy of uh, secrecy surrounding this whole meeting? So will be very interesting come that second week of May. So watch the Georgia record. Stay tuned. Uh, thank you, Bill, for coming on. I'm going to bring on David Cross now. You bet. You bet. All thanks right. again, Todd. David, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Glad to be here. So you are running for the state GOP second vice chair. So uh, tell us what brought you to this place in your life where you decided to do this. <laughs> two, two and a half years of unending searches and, uh, you know, or not, not unending searches, but unending revelations about all the different ways the system has been gamed mm -hmm. and getting no traction. So when, when, when I started this whole, this whole, this whole journey, I thought that we're going to figure out how the, how the dirty Democrats, you know, got, you know, stole the election. And the further we got into it, the more that we found out that it wasn't just the Democrats. There were Republicans involved, too. And a lot of it has to do with the establishment on both sides. It's career politicians that want to drink from the fountainhead of the state. And yeah. so every time that I've come up with, you know, with official complaints again, you know, with the state election board or with Gwinnett County or other counties or with the federal government or EAC or whomever, nothing ever happens. And yeah. I think really the only way to hold you know, I think the next step, the next logical step for me is to, to try and find some way to hold the establishment accountable. And that's to get involved in the GOP on an executive level position. Very interesting. So how did you pick the second vice chair? What, what made you go for that position? Um, second vice chair, it, it's, you know, it, it's an executive level position where you have a direct impact on what the messaging is going to be to the, you know, to the counties, to the precincts and to the and to the politicians. And that's why I, I picked that one out. And, um, you know, I'm running I'm running against a guy who, you know, who is um, who's been in politics since he was 18 years old. I think he's been groomed by his dad or, or, or his whole family to, be, you know, to be a politician. And when you see him, he looks like a slick politician. And, you know, I'm sure he's a nice guy. I'm sure he you know, he and I probably share, you know, similar values and that kind of thing. Um, but the reality is, is that my, my competitor is a politician and I don't know how a politician is going to go to other politicians and hold them to account if he is aspiring to be a politician. Yeah, so that's that's kind of that's kind of where I'm coming from. So remind our audience of some of your earlier projects uh, to uncover data on the elections and what's been going on in Georgia on both sides of the aisle. OK, so the very the very first thing that happened was in, in 2020, like the night of the election, I reached out to Garland Favorito with Voter GA and and I said, this is, you don't know me. I'm just seeing the, you, these numbers coming in. They don't make a lot of sense. And and he wanted to get together. And that, what we started out looking at was getting involved in in the recount numbers. I was a witness. I was a witness for, you know, for the recount. And as a witness, I didn't witness anything. I couldn't see anything. I couldn't I couldn't see any anything being counted. They, they kept you so far away because of COVID. Um, but I ended up getting thrown out of that, you know, of that, um, you know, out of that or out of Fulton County um, at the at the recount down there because they said that I touched one of the ballot transport bags, which I did not. That was a total lie. And I've got witnesses. Uh, but they, you know, kicked me out. Then we started jumping into what was going on with the recount. And we, and we, we discovered that there was this enormously inaccurate count rate that was happening with with Brad Raffensperger's hand recount. You know, we counted all the ballots by hand, and it's it's the it's the it's the audit and all that kind of thing. Turns out that the audit was the most flawed thing I've ever seen. It was so inaccurate that uh, another gentleman down in Perry, Georgia, contacted me, um, Joe Rossi, and he said, how, "What was your how did how did you come up with these numbers? What was your source?" I provided all that to him. He then called me back and said. Oh my gosh! I found exactly what you found. All the same inaccuracies, all the same, you know, all the same problems. And we had a meeting with Sonny Purdue. Sonny Purdue then reached out to Brian Kemp. Brian Kemp's people then vetted our data, and then ended up writing a 42-page report to Raffensperger that said, "You screwed it up. It's mm -hmm. it's so wrong. It's so wrong that you should take it off of off of the public record." And of course, Raffensperger has not. Yeah, so that's that's just one thing. I mean, we've we found we also found something called the, the Williamson, the Williamson, Tennessee error is something that we found in 
97% of Georgia counties that gave us files. We, we put in open records requests with, with 159 counties, 68 counties gave us their files. The other 91, you know, basically gave us the middle finger and said, no, we're not giving it to you, even though Georgia law requires it. Yeah. And what we found there is we, we found the exact same problem that, that happened in Williamson County, Tennessee, where ballots were just skipped over. They were sent to the provisional bucket and just ignored and not counted. And in Georgia, they say, oh, no, no, we, we don't have that problem here. Um, but we've we've proven that it, it's that's that it's in 90. It's in it's in 97, 97 it's across the country. Right. I mean, you know, we've looked hard at Florida and the same thing where they're caught or designating 20 percent of ballots in a county as blank and then adjudicating them on their own, essentially forging them. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that there's there's, you know, Again, when I started this whole thing, I thought we were going to find like the one way, the one smoking gun. And it turns out that there's like, I think we're up to like 13 different ways that the system can be gamed. Yeah. Um, you know, and the net the net benefit that has come out of all of this, even though it's taken forever. And we got we got tons of critics that are like, you guys haven't proven anything in court. Um, nothing. Nothing's been proven in court. And the reality is, is that nothing's been in court. Yeah. You know, our court case got thrown out right when we said here's the here's the here's all the botched errors that happened in, in the audit let us see the ballots the judge said okay i'm gonna let you see the ballots and then as he was ruminating on some other motion he threw out the case yeah and so now now the case has been is in the supreme court it's going to be thrown back um to, to judge brian amaro and we'll be back in court but the supreme court says there's 142 other cases before us and they apparently can't hire interns to like stamp something on the front that says send it back to to the lower court. Um, so yeah, that I mean, there's just, there's a lot of issues that are going on right now. So you've testified before the state board of elections multiple times. Have they been helpful? Have they done anything uh, with all these issues? No. In, in fact, what, what I found out was that, um, you know, the, the, the chairman of the board, um, judge Duffy, he's been, he's been, um, he's very nice to your face. And then, does nothing or cuts you off, you know, at the knees, doesn't, you know, I, I wrecked my car, totaled my car back in August on the way down to, to present some evidence down there and still got down there in time in order to be able to, to present. And he cut me off. Like I was down to like the last two sentences and he said, Oh, we have to, we have to honor the time. I was like, I have like two more sentences yeah. and they cut me off. Um, and then they ended the meeting like right after me, like, like there was some big thing that was going to go on after me getting up there. Um, so he's he's not you know he hasn't been good for us. Um, so that's been a big disappointment because I heard a lot of people saying, "Oh, we got a good guy on the on the board now." But that, that's oh, listen, when, when uh, the last time I was down, when I wrecked my car, he was walking. When he walked out of the out of the Capitol, he was walking elbow to elbow and shoulder to shoulder, um, you know, with the with the state's attorney, yeah. and you know, it's just you know. It's honor among thieves, I suppose. I don't know. I mean, isn't that what they say about, about attorneys? But, yeah. you know, he's, you know, he's hasn't been tremendously helpful. In fact, he's actually been very combative. Um, and then you've got Edward Lindsay, who is a supposed conservative. And he's the only Republican I've ever seen that ever consistently gets interviewed by CNN, CNN opinion, and by the AJC. Yeah. So how, how does that happen? <laughs> So what about uh, the funding issue at the election board? I mean, I've heard that they just don't have any assets to even do anything if they wanted to. Do you know anything about that? Um, so in, in the past, what's happened is anytime there have been, anytime there have been, um, you know, challenges or, you know, or official complaints, that kind of thing, it's gone to the secretary of state. The secretary of state has got, has got a team of investigators. It's their job to investigate. And the most recent thing that's happened is, there's there's supposed to have been a separation between the secretary secretary of state and then the election board, so that's that's happened, and then the next step was uh, was funding was funding the state state uh, elections board, and I believe that they that they've now got funding and they're going to have an executive director and all that kind of thing. I don't know what the budget is. I don't know what the details are, um, but it you know just remains to be seen. But honestly they've hardly investigated anything. Yeah. I mean, I, I turned in like 17 different potential ballot traffickers and they've only, they, they've dismissed five of them. And, and, you know, and I just said, Hey, these people need to be investigated. Um, yeah. You need to check in to see, see what's going on with them. What about the Dropbox videos? Any help there at all? Uh, no drop, no, no help on Dropbox videos. What was really interesting about the Dropbox videos is that um, the Gwinnett County 
Gwinnett County, even though they had the Dropbox videos, the director of elections was never allowed to look at them during the election. And she was really upset by that. And then Gwinnett County lost some of them and we ended up getting most of them, but, but not all of them. But the Dropbox videos, what people need to understand when, when you hear like critics that are out there saying, oh, well, you, you can't track that this person went to this Dropbox and, they went, and then they went to another one. Well, you know what? I, all I have to say is if you saw the videos that I've seen, you would say, well, duh, I get it. Because Gwinnett County, I think, has got four different four different ways that, that they that they videotape these things. And most of the drop boxes have are terribly blurry. You can't really zoom into, you know, to see detail. Even if you see somebody like I got a guy that was like dropping 14 ballots into, into, into Swanee. And if you zoom in, you can't you can't see his face. You can't see his yeah. car. You can't see anything. Yeah. So the, the the video the video uh, resolution is terrible. Any uh, thoughts or observations on the state race? Uh, who's running? You got you got any favorites? As far uh, as for the, the GOP for the GOP, you know what? Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna reserve my judgment for right now and, until I until I'm able to you know see everybody. I think what what's what's happening here is we have some people that are in there that are election fraud deniers, and those people definitely you know need to go. Um, and I'm, I'm willing to support anybody that, that supports conservative values and is, is saying, hey, we need to we need to tighten up um, you know, election law because in, in 2019, 2019, 2020, the the, uh, the the rules were changed on who could deliver ballots in, in Georgia. And it, it was done by Republicans. I mean, so yeah. it's like an unforced error where we shot ourselves in the foot. And then in the most recent session, when I went back and marked up legislation, I said, just add these six words back to what was in there before. And all I got back was, oh, it was so close, but we'll get it next time. Well, you, you, you said forced error. I, I don't think these were forced at all. I think I think it's very. No, I, I, I guess I meant to say unforced errors. I mean, so it was it was, um, you yeah. know, it's. It's just a terrible situation. And, and I think the, the, one of the biggest issues is that we have so many lifetime politicians that are drinking from the fountainhead of the state, and it is time to pull them out and primary them. Well, we just had a situation in Florida where we found the data on the machine reports, which shows you know the high percentage of blank ballots. And so what is the legislature just passed last week? A, a, a law that you can no longer see those reports. <laughs> <laughs> so, you can't see the ballot but you can't even but, see the report but florida's free don't forget that anyway <laughs> um david thanks for your time i appreciate you coming on i'm gonna have you back uh we need to get this out to the public on a regular basis thank you're you. absolutely welcome thank you All right, take care bye while we're waiting on our next guest i'm going to bring in bill quinn once again our resident expert on all things georgia um, you there, Bill? There you go. I, I am. So, Boy, uh, talk to us about what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so, tell us about the the incorporation issue. We've been looking into this at the Georgia Record. What, what do you think is going on here? You know, I I don't know that we can draw conclusions. I don't know if it's me lost, Bill, or uh, I've got you. I've got you. I think Todd. I think we're good. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Did you hear my question? So, okay. I did. So um, I think we're early to try to draw conclusions, but let's let's go with facts because that's where I like to start. So uh, we talked a couple of weeks ago about an organization that had formed in Cherokee County, um, separate from the GOP, and uh, uh, in conversation with um, one of the, um, I, I, I guess I would assume he would be a member. Uh, was associated with that organization. He's also a House of Representatives member. Um, the comment was made, you know, this is in line with what Kemp has talked about in, in terms of we need to move beyond, I believe it was the terms that we were used, uh, the, the current GOP. Um, since that time, other uh, folks around the state have been reporting um, incorporation of their local um, what they would think is their GOP, but what most people um, are learning is that the existing GOP county parties are largely, uh, in most cases, not incorporated. They're, they're more like a club or membership organization than they are in a, a corporation. However, since uh, that first one formed, um, at least three others have been formed. Um, one is called the uh, Georgia Republican Coalition, uh, one is called the Republican Coalition, 
and uh, there's one other that I can't quite see yet. Um, three of these have been formed by uh, gentleman Brent Heron. Um, Mr. Heron is shown on uh, the uh, website for a law firm known as Small and Heron and is the managing partner of that. Now, we, we hope to be able to speak with Mr. Heron in the coming days and, and just ask, you know, what, what are these? What, what is the intention of these? Um, but some of the reports that are coming in sound pretty concerning. So, for example, um, if uh, an organization is, a, is a, uh, a club, there's members, right? People belong to it. And they, they have the right to then ask questions of what the organization is doing, um, who's leading it. Uh, they get, often get to, as, as the GOP county uh, organizations do, they vote for the leaders and so forth. Would that happen in a corporate environment? And, and in fact, if that corporation does not have members, does anybody outside the corporation have the rights to see what they're doing? And those are the questions that um, the public around Georgia are beginning to ask. You know, why are these being created? And do I still have the same rights and privileges that I do in my county GOP that, uh, you know, that I've enjoyed up to now? And are those changing if this structural organization changes? So um, it's about as far as we can go so far. We do have a few names of folks that we hope to be able to speak with and, and ask those questions and find out, you know, what's the reasoning, what's the objective. Um, <laughs> we, we did talk with one down in the south part of the state uh, and asked why they had formed a corporation. And <laughs> we were told that, oh, we're going to hold a meeting out in a tent and we thought we better have some liability protection so we incorporated to do that and i thought well i guess you might do that because of a tent meeting but seems a lot of trouble to go to for, that doesn't really smell past the smell test there it seems a little <laughs> seems a little odd but we'll yeah. we'll continue digging on this and I, I bet we'll find out more so uh, that's where we stand at the moment let me ask you one question before we move on did you ever get any uh i guess feedback or update on the talatrix situation and owners in government um, as to, you know, any movement there as to what's really uh, going on? At one point, we heard that uh, a couple of the uh, the owners that are actually elected officials, at least one had said, made a comment that they were, um, I guess, considering at that time whether they, in fact, should retain um, investment and part ownership in, in the company. I've heard no more since that time. Um, if we do, we'll certainly report it. Uh, what I do, uh, what I do know is that uh, the folks that uncovered it and and people beyond that continue to look into the matter and are looking for other and find, beginning to find other connections beyond those originally found. So as we go forward, I, I suspect that this will continue to be uh, on the radar and uh, should uh, the the same issues begin to look like they're coming up. Uh, between now and the next legislative session, I think a lot of people are going to be ready to start calling out uh, both the dynamic um, organizations and, and folks that may be involved uh, and have um, uh, objectives that go beyond what's visible to the public. So we'll see. We'll see. Bill, thanks. We'll have you back next week uh, with a lot more to talk about in our different issues we're going to be doing this week. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Todd. Uh, before I bring on our last guest, uh, I'm on my way to CPAC Hungary shortly. Uh, I travel a great deal, but I always love to get back to my my pillow mattress topper. If you haven't tried one of these things, you really have to. I have the entire sleep system. I have the comforter. I have the duvet cover. I have the pillows. I have the mattress topper. I have the sheets. And wow, it's just one of the small pleasures in life to get back to that to get a great night's sleep. So use promo code CDM. Mike's got up to 80% off right now and uh, outfit that new bride or new college graduate with some really high quality non-Chinese made stuff that will last. With that, I wanna bring on Sarah Thompson. Sarah, thank you for coming back. Of course, good afternoon. So, good afternoon. So um, follow up on what uh, Bill had to say on this incorporation issue, w what's going on there? It's, it's pretty incredible. And this is a, you know, there was a story put out in November of 2021, I believe it was about um, members because um, there were people in appeal and they were told by Vincent Russo that they were members under election code.
but not members under corporate code. And that's just very confusing. You know, well, when am I dealing with a corporation? When am I dealing with the, you know, the, the established committee? And that's one of the things that we need to understand in the state of Georgia, there's statute that if you are an identified political party, they have to set up a, a committee to handle uh, essentially the jurisdiction of our party affairs and whatnot. They, there's no option. They can't choose to not have a committee. So that committee um, speaks about having membership. Membership of committees is right there. So it's in in the in the code that we that we read. Um, mm -hmm. So the, the challenge is is I know Bill did talk about the member language, but as you know, you know Todd coming from a corporate background, right? There's an entity there, and that entity doesn't you know entities are not always businesses. Um, in this case, this is a committee, right? That's established in in states all of all across the United States. And there's order, you know, precinct chair. That's why we can use the same language in different states. We have precincts, we have counties, you know, we have uh, congressional districts, and we have a state in every state, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and there are and there are political parties in every state, right? So, what we're, you know, what the fundamental question is right now is the question of can you have an incorporation associated with a party, and what can that incorporation do? And I would tell you, um, I went ahead and checked into something this afternoon. I looked up the other party in Georgia, which mm -hmm. is the Democrat Party. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I found a set of uh, articles of incorporation that enumerated who was on the board of directors and the purpose of the corporation for the Democrat, mm -hmm. uh, the Georgia Democrat Party is to, is to handle the contracts for the 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 Democrat Party, but it doesn't mm -hmm. replace the Democrat Party. <laughs> it's very clear. And these are 1987 documents that I found. And so clearly it's not trying to take over the whole thing. Um, yeah. So that's very important because as you know, in, in, in Florida and other states, the people who are officers of the party, they're held to some legal or they're enumerated in the law. It says, you know, if you're willfully negligent as a party officer, public official, you can be guilty of a misdemeanor. So, so that means there are certain roles like, you know, we, we've learned from, um, well, you know, the story from Fulton County, there's, they have to designate poll watchers, they have to designate absentee ballot tabulation observers, and the chairman and secretary, the officers have to sign those forms, right? And they also have to be involved often with qualifying candidates. So a lot of times if there's a, you know, when it comes time to qualify candidates, uh, I know in my county, the county elections department delegated some of those tasks to the party, and the and the party had to you know, come on, you know, come on over to our headquarters and affidavits form. So that's a role, you know, of the. And I think as the secretary, um, you have to sign um, documents with your name, <laughs> and those are state documents. So can a corporation do that? I'm not so certain if it's, so what we have here, what appears to be is two entities, mm -hmm. the committee and then the corporation and the roles, you can't have two husbands in one house. Yeah. So those- Or two roles, wives. <laughs> not two wives either, right? So <laughs> it all comes down to very basic order. Corpus, as you know, corpus means body in Latin. Yeah. So when you're, if they're going to form a corporation, that body needs to be established. And the way that our laws um, enumerate those those tasks are, you know, you have to figure out who the, the there's founders, and then there's a board of directors, and then there's officers. So those have to be um, selected. There's members versus non-members. So you wouldn't necessarily take the whole committee and hand it over to the corporation necessarily. So it. So what about those members? When are they acting as a member of the committee, and when are they acting as a member of the corporation? So that puts that in question too. So you don't just slap membership. You know, you have to define that. So are you going to be a member for certain functions? The corporation needs to needs. You know what I'm saying? It opens yeah. up a, a big can of questions. So um, what what happened this week? There was a deadline on Friday at 5 p.m. for resolutions and rules amendments to be submitted to the Georgia Republican Party getting ready for state convention. And there was a pretty big, did Bill talk about this? There was a resolution 
no, go ahead. Yeah, there was a resolution submitted to the um, state party. To the state, actually, it's to hopefully go to the state convention delegation for consideration. And it refers specifically to these issues because there was a discovery, um, well, two years ago, that in 2014, what happened? You know, the party incorporated domestic nonprofit. Well, nobody can find, Todd, nobody can find the bylaws. And the bylaws are spoken about in the formation documents multiple times in the articles of incorporation. Nobody can find the bylaws. Um, I did ask a state candidate um, this week. I said, can you get the bylaws? Because if we're under the rules of the Georgia Republican Party, that's what it says. So let me get this really quick. Mm -hmm. We have, um, I know you it's not fun to have the papers, but this says the rules of the Georgia Republican Party Incorporated. You see that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's pretty plain. But then um, on page one, look what it says. Rules the Georgia Republican Party. <laughs> mm. So I don't know what that's all about, but basically we 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 haven't seen it. We don't know who the board of directors is, and, and a par parliamentarians are asking, you know, who's the board and what are the left and right boundaries of GRP Inc. Mm. Um, so the resolution basically is resolving. I'll just say, based on all that. It says, be it resolved that the Georgia Republican Party state delegation, the real true committee or delegation, shall direct the Georgia Republican Party Incorporated to comply with Georgia election code. So we just need to make sure, you know, what are we doing here? And then um, be it resolved, the state delegation lawfully reclaim the rules for Georgia Republicans to affirm the one perpetuous state committee as the governing body. So I know as a, from a corporate perspective, I mean, we always need to know who's in charge. Is it the corporation? And, and we did look at the FEC this week. You know, the FEC has a lot of records and it looks like the Georgia Republican Party Incorporated is the state committee. But when I've addressed members of the state committee, I addressed a member of the state committee, actually the uh, chairman of the Georgia Republican Assembly, Alex Johnson. I addressed him as director Alex Johnson recently, <laughs> just to kind of see, you know, what is he going to do? He said, I'm not the director. I'm not the director. <laughs> I'm, I'm not a director. He said, I'm not a director. So uh, it, this is all very confusing. Yeah, um, on purpose, so, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, we need to know, as we know, you know, citizen rights are very important. This is what, I mean, obviously I'm sure that's a big part of why you do what you do, because you know that the citizen right is so important. Um, well, we need to know our member rights in this political party, because we've had a lot of abuse in this party. And is it because we'll, we're under one husband one moment, and then under another husband, another moment, and those husbands have different character. So one husband likes them, one husband doesn't, you know, it's like, um, so that's the issue there. That was one of the issues I wanted to bring. And Bullock County um, uh, just incorporated, or just, you know, take 10 minutes mm -hmm. to, to go online. And that's assuming, I mean, the Secretary of State says just plain, it's assuming that you're doing this for lawful purposes following the, the law, you know? So we have a lot of questions and we're looking for answers. They're very important. And there need to be committees set up to look at just this issue, in my opinion. Yeah, like what's going on. Party. Yeah, That's sure. Right. Any other issue? Do you, do you mind if I share about no, the go ahead. case? Go ahead. Okay. So um, I've been helping a lot with the Georgia Supreme Court cases mm -hmm. um, regarding the use of the barcode in mm -hmm. on the ballots. And then the other part of this case is um, the deprivation of referendums. We do believe that that counties shall have asked the uh, citizens, the electors um, in their areas, if we wanted to move from paper to machine, mm -hmm. because there's a lot of financial burden, as we know, associated with, with a machine. And we've done a lot of great work to really show you know, fiduciary responsibility. Um, they have to only do legal allocations in the counties. Like, like, you can't allocate money for you know, porn stars to come to your school. You know, yeah. there has to be at least yeah. porno books. But go ahead. Right. So, so, so every 
funny thing is, uh, um, as we know, underneath our wonderful constitution, I know that's where we got both the two of us got started, you know, very young at a very young age, trying to support and defend the constitution. And here we are still doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and so everything is based there. And it's, it's, as we know, a lot of these cannonballs at our foundations are cannonballs at the constitution. So sure. is, is our federal right to vote protected by our constitution? Well, yes, it is. Yes, it is very clearly. So um, there's two. There's actually three counties. I'm happy to say there are briefs filed in for Cobb, Bullock, and Fulton. Mm-hmm. The initial briefs, and that is a great accomplishment. So this is the largest election contest in. Well, I okay, think. Sorry about that. Okay, go ahead. Are we back? Yeah, we're well, back. Okay. So Ted Metz is the pro se appellant from Cobb. Um, I'm the pro se appellant from Bullock. And then a man by the name of Kevin Muldowney is the pro se appellant from Fulton County. And essentially, it's been a lot of collaboration and working with people all over the place to pull together um, arguments. And a lot of them are are very similar because it's, you know, the same topics. And we all started out with the same complaint on December 6th. We Mm -hmm. each carried in the pretty close to identical complaints into our counties. And now we're in appeal to the Georgia Supreme Court. Our judges are, um, nobody wanted to, essentially it required them to secure and enforce compliance with primary and election law on the day of the election and so long thereafter to ensure correct computation and canvassing of our votes. And there are a lot of um, issues with irregularities. Um, misconduct. If they didn't, if they didn't hold a referendum, that would be a misconduct. If they issued us ballots that were unofficial or spoiled, that would be potentially misconduct, according to what we read in the law. So we're, you know, we all. One thing I love about this, we all can be kind of attorneys as citizens. Our our founders knew we would need these uh, avenues, so we're using them. Um, and to be honest, I'm not sure that I would want to be an attorney, an mm-hmm. actual attorney, um, because there's so much freedom as a as an as a citizen. There's sure. no, and so there are. They, they can't people. kick. They can't take your bar license. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I think that's a beautiful thing, and we can we can become self-taught. We're from a very uh, famous culture of self-taught individuals because we're a literate society. And so essentially, here's the um, here's the bullock one I have right here. It's about 30 pages, like a dissertation. And here's the here's the Fulton one, Kevin Muldowney one here. But um, the, the, the one from Fulton was really strengthened with the fiduciary uh, arguments this time. Um, so it does have a lot of additional arguments. Um, I would share one thing that we found very um, interesting just a, a few days ago. Is, so there's a certificate that Raffensperger signed when he um, agreed to Dominion. Um, mm-hmm. It's the optical scanning uh, certific- certification uh, that he had inspected it and it's certified equipment. Mm-hmm. And he uses a term um, that it can be used safely. He declares this system can be safely used. And it's kind mm-hmm. of weird, you know, in the middle of right before COVID, like what does it mean to safely use election? What does that even mean? Right. And then he said, well, you'll you will continue to use this equipment um, until it, it may no longer be safely used. And then I might check into it and investigate. And it's like it's just a little bit of a weird certificate. But we found in the law, uh, Todd, that it actually says in the law, in the law connected to optical scanning voting equipment, it actually says safely and accurately. Mm-hmm. Thank Sarah, you. thank you so much. We have to run, but uh, we'll have you back, you. I'm sure, as you're one of our regular guests. Take care. Thank you, Todd. Bye. Bye. So please check us out at mypillow.com, promo code CDM, and sign up for our no-ad subscriptions and help support free media. Now that they're coming after Tucker and others, CDM is becoming very important. So thank you, and we will see you again next week.